All right, and good morning, Ridgepoint Church. How are you doing this morning? Good, man, we're glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. Turn to the person next to you, give them the fist bump and say, it's awesome to see you. Man, it is, it is really cool having you here this morning with us. As we're on week two of the series, we're talking about the power of story in people's lives. And, and really throughout this, this entire year, uh, I've been ringside to be able to see uh, God doing some extraordinary things. How many of you have just felt a, a different presence as we began this year? Just something different. God's up to something. It's really been a cool, cool experience to see. And, and we can see that through some things that, that are measurable, things we can look at. Uh, Josh mentioned the launch of the men's Bible study this week. It was really just an awesome group of, of guys getting together. A couple of weeks before that, actually, Jenny is leading the, the women's Bible study, and she sent me a text that first Friday morning of their first meeting saying, man, that was so good this morning. Uh, we actually, way before we ever started to uh, have a meeting about our mission trip, we announced, hey, we have some tickets already purchased. Those tickets had already sold out before we ever had our first meeting. Like, there's just some really, really cool things that are happening. Kind of for me, capped off by a couple of weeks ago, uh, we've talked about all year long that we want this to be a place where people can come in to experience God, to encounter God, and to experience freedom in Jesus, to, to be able to come in, leave their problem, check their problems at the door, to be able to come in to experience that freedom. And when they leave, those problems might still be there, but they're not shouldering those burdens alone anymore. That that's our goal as we come into this year to say, man, we want to come into Sunday morning at 1010 on 100 Hatfield Road and say, we want this to be a place for people to come to experience God's presence and to know that they're not alone in this battle. And so we've seen some really cool things to start off this year. We, we've seen some things. We've saw, I've got some cool text messages throughout this, even this past week, as we launched out in stories of just, man, this is what God is doing in my life. And I think that's powerful, that's important, and we're going to talk about by the end of today uh, what that means for us moving forward, because stories are really, really powerful. In fact, today, I look around, there's a lot of green in the room. There's a lot of green in the room because, because today's St. Patrick's Day, and it's actually this incredible story of a missionary who wasn't Irish at all. He was actually British, but he was at some point he was captured by pirates from, from Ireland, and he was held captive in Ireland for six years, went back to his homeland. He escaped from back to his homeland, but had such a burden for them that he said, I want to go back and reach that island for Jesus. And so literally he was a missionary to Ireland. And, and we celebrate that by having an excuse to go out and getting drunk. I'm not sure what, where those two things kind of combine. I'm not sure how that happened. But, but he actually was this incredible person that said, man, I want to experience what it means to have Christ in me. And, and I love just every time we come around St. Patrick's Day, reading his story and, and saying, man, this is what his heartbeat was. I want to go out. I want to reach this entire island. People who persecuted him, I want to reach this entire island for Jesus, because he knew, like we're experiencing this year, he knew that God could put us in a position of, of influence and a position of, of importance. But, but if we have that position, and I've been ringside this year to see some incredible stories of, of people within our church, because the church isn't a building, the church is the people. So the people that make up this church that are being put in a very particular position of influence and being allowed to and being able to leverage that influence to reach the world around them for God's kingdom because ultimately all the power, all the influence, all the finances, all the resources that we have, even the power of our story is meaningless if we don't figure out how to leverage the power of that story 
to be able to influence people for Jesus, to see him, his name, and his renown be the desire of our hearts. And so we started a series last week called Stories. And as we talked about stories, we said that every one of us has a story. Last week, as we launched into this series, we said we want to begin by saying that each one of us, and, and each of the four weeks, we're talking about a different part of the story. The first week, we talked about how we have to recognize our story. For a lot of us, we go through life and we think, well, I've heard some incredible stories of people who've gone through some incredible situations, some crazy set of circumstances, and when I hear their story, their story seems really, really powerful. Or when I hear some of the crazy things that they're doing with their life, because everybody knows somebody or some people that are like that. It seems like their life is just always an adventure. And they get up on their Instagram feed or on their Snapchat, and, and they're always posting photos of these incredible journeys that they're on. And for a lot of us, we look at that and say, man, I, I wish that that was my story. I wish my story was more adventurous. I wish that, and so because of that, a lot of, for a lot of us, we don't even recognize that our story has significance. And so we began last week by saying your story is incredibly important. And not only does your story have significance, your story is being crafted by a master storyteller. And then as God is crafting your story, it is part of a much, much bigger story, his story. They call it a meta-narrative, a grand story. And then not only is he crafting, is he writing out your story. But when your story is done, he's weaving it into this much, much larger story. And so because of that, no matter where we're at in life, we began this whole thing by saying we have to recognize that our story is important and that our story is impacting somebody's life. Because of that, you, where you're at right now, your story has incredible significance. But once I realized that, we get today talking about the second week, talking about maximizing our story. Making the most of it. Now, there's this, this struggle within Christianity to understand because I believe this. I believe God is absolutely sovereign. We read that in Scripture that God is 100% in control. And yet, he, we bear responsibility for the way that we live our life. And, and these things aren't necessarily meant to be competitive with each other. These two ideas that might seem to be competitive, they're not. Patrick, we celebrate because at some point, he surrendered to God's call to go and try to reach an entire island for Jesus. God's in control of that. He couldn't do that himself. But they bear responsibility. And so I want you to think about this because this is very important for where we're going. I want you to think about your life 10 years from now. What you want your life to look like. Just, just imagine that for a second. Well, how is your life going to look different 10 years from now than it does right now? Maybe you're sitting here thinking there's one particular area of my life I'd like to get better at. Maybe right now you're dissatisfied with your career and you're saying, man, 10 years from now, I hope my career looks a lot different. Maybe right now your story is, I'm okay with my career, but my finances right now are a little bit on the rocks. 10 years from now, I hope to be a whole lot more financially stable. Or 10 years from now, I hope that my relationships, my family relationships are a little bit stronger. Or 10 years from now, I hope my health is a lot better. I'm going to start that diet. I'm going to begin that workout routine. I'm, I'm going to do those things because 10 years from now, I want my life to look a lot better than it does now in these areas. 
whether it's finances, whether it's career, whether it's health, whether it's, it's um, your family relationships, or even, man, the last 10 years, I've been running really, really hard, and I've lost a chance to just be involved with recreational activities. I want to I develop some hobbies in my life that are going to take my mind off of the, the rush of life, and I want to get better at, at carving time out to just have space that I enjoy. Now, hopefully, every one of us, if we're gathered here together, we would say this. Ten years from now, I hope spiritually be at a better plateau than I am right now. Because life is a constant series of growth for us. And so hopefully that's the goal for every one of us. But outside of that, if you could choose one of the other five, if it was your career, if it was your finances, if it was your health, if it was your family relationships, or it was your hobbies, I want to real quick vote and see which one. If you could improve one of those things in 10, in, in 10 years, what would it be? How many would say in 10 years, I hope to be healthier? Awesome. Who says in 10 years, I hope to have a different career or a better position in my career? <laughs> or retirement. That sounds, that sounds awesome as well. Uh, what about your finances? Yeah. What about relationships? What about more time for hobbies? What about who says, I just want all of those things? Yeah, like, like wait, how, why do I have to pick? Why, why can't, if, if my career is doing better, doesn't that take care of my finances a little bit? Like, like we say we want those things to be better. But here's what I want us to understand today. Decisions we make today affect the stories we tell tomorrow. I want us to get that. Decisions that we make today affect the stories we tell tomorrow. We're living right now in 2019 based upon the decisions we made 10 years ago. We could be healthier right now if we'd made these decisions 10 years ago. And so we sit there, and for so many of us, we think when it comes to physical things and when it comes to spiritual things, I just want to be able to turn it on when I need it. And when I need it, I want to be able to call on it, and I want it to be there. That's why when we develop habits in our life, and habits are, are good things, but when we develop habits in our life, we, we think that one day of a habit is either going to make or break us. We go for months without working out. And then we decide, this is the week, tomorrow, and by the way, this is my story, tomorrow, I'm going to the gym. Tomorrow I'm going to begin that workout routine again all over. And we wake up and we go to the gym and we work out. And we walk into work with a little bit of swagger now. I've been working out, man. I got it together. And the next day there's a little bit of that soreness. And so we're looking in the mirror. We're kind of like, I think I can see. No, we don't do that. You know why? Because one day it doesn't make a habit. One day there's not, there's incremental gains, but there's not huge gains. It also works in reverse. If you're really, really fit this morning and you decide to go out and eat a piece of pizza, you're not going to throw it all away. Now, I'm not talking about pizza. I'm talking about pizza. Like, if you're really fit, the thing is, if you're really fit, your metabolism is working out better, and, and you go in, and you can have one day where you cheat, and it doesn't affect you at all, because you've developed a, a, a system in your life, a series of choices that have made your life better, and that's true when it comes to our finances, it's true when it comes to our health, it's true when it comes to our relationships, it's true when it comes to our career, 
It's even true when it comes to our hobbies. We develop a system in our life. If we say these things are important to us, then we value them, then we spend time on them, even when the gains aren't really, really noticeable. You see, last week we began this series by looking at uh, this, this story of this Old Testament a guy who was just trying to, to, to live for God and, and to serve God. His name was Daniel. In the midst of Daniel, we see him have these, these incredible, God, God gives him this incredible platform to be able to, to stand for him, to be able to reveal what dreams mean, to be able to reveal what the writing on the wall means. In the midst of that, all these different kings are allowing him as an immigrant, as an outcast, to be in a position of leadership, so much so that, that people start to become jealous of him and they want to take him down. And so those leaders that he was serving with at that point, we talked about this a little bit more last week, but the leaders that he's serving with, he's one of the top three leaders for his area. And the leaders that he's serving with, they get together and they start to scheme saying, we don't want him to have the influence that he has. So let's go, let's go to King Darius and let's have him issue an edict that nobody else can worship any gods outside of the king because the only thing we can find fault with Daniel for is the way that he serves his God. And so they go and they scheme to get King Darius to issue this edict, and he does. And Daniel hears it, and Daniel knows what's happening behind the scenes. He knows that this edict has been, has been written, that if he goes and does what he's always done in worshiping God, that he's supposed to be thrown into a lion's den. We left off last week with this verse I want to go back to. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. What does it say at the very end? As he had done previously. Say that together. As he had done previously. See, everyone wants to fast forward to the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And the story is how God steps in and, and Jesus literally saves Daniel in the midst of being in this lion's den. But the story wasn't being written at that moment. The story wasn't being written because Daniel, in the moment he's in the lion's den, he starts praying for God to miraculously provide. Now God can do that and sometimes God is gracious and he does do that. But Daniel's story wasn't a story of what happened in the lion's den. Daniel's story was the story of what happened way before his faith was needed in the lion's den. See, in the lion's den, the story, if he prayed right then and God provided for him, that story would be really, really exciting. It wasn't exciting for everybody else. When Daniel would go by himself up to his upper chamber, and by himself, when no one else was there noticing his praying, he would just spend time with God. See, for you and I, we have a tendency to have this lion's den type of faith. When we get the diagnosis that we don't want, when our boss comes in and says our services are no longer needed, when the divorce papers are being filed, then we come in the midst of the emergency and say, God, I want you to show up right now. And listen, sometimes graciously he does that. But Daniel knew at some point his faith was going to be required of him. And he says, I don't, want to, I don't want to back down later on. So right now, when no one else is noticing it, I want to go and I want to exercise my faith. I don't just want to have a lion's den type of faith. That's cool and that's powerful and that's an incredible story. 
But he said, my story began months, years, decades ago. When I got down in my room, and I got on my knees, and I thanked God as had become my custom. As had become the thing that I longed to do. Habits that we develop in silence will be needed when our lives become the loudest. Habits that I develop in silence. You see, for the person today that wants to get healthy, the habit is waking up tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and starting to work out and do that cardio. And the first couple of months, it's not really glamorous. People don't notice right away, and it's hard work. And, and after a while, it's really easy just to say, man, I want to give up. No one's even noticing the change. The same thing is true when it comes to our spiritual growth. We come in and we say, man, I want to be committed to following Jesus. And, and I start to make some changes, and, and it's, it's really hard at first. And the next day, I'm a little bit sore because of that. And, and I don't see the growth. I don't see the gains right away. I look in the mirror, and I don't see my spiritual muscles being flexed. I think, well, my story must not be as powerful as so-and-so down the road. I mean, they've just been working out for a couple of months, and it seems like they're getting it, and I'm not. God's in the middle of, of, of having us live out this story. And he's saying, I want your story to be unique to you. I want your story to be a powerful display of, of, of my redemptive work in your life. And it isn't just a process of one time and then everything's glorious. It's hard work and it's, 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 the, it's the grind. It's the daily grind of saying, man, I want to make sure in my life that I'm doing my best because I want to make much of Jesus in my life. And tomorrow that might mean waking up a little bit early. Saying, God, I need to spend time with you because I know you've given me grace in order that I can show other people grace. And I'm going to work this morning. There's some people at work that I don't particularly care for. And if I'm going to show grace to them later on this morning, I need to experience your grace early this morning. Some of y'all know that. Some of y'all are like, that's, that's my job for sure. Say, man, I want to make sure that in my life, Jesus, that I'm making much of you, and the only way I can do that, the only way I can maximize my story, is by spending significant amounts of time with you. By figuring out in my life, what are those things that I have to start in my life? What are the things that I have to get rid of? By asking some really, really important questions. Daniel had developed a custom in his life. He said, I, I want to make sure that this is important to us. It's important to me. I want to make sure that I'm facing Jerusalem, that I'm praying that God knows that I'm giving him the glory for all of this. I want to develop these things. And, and for us, we never know how our story can shift based upon a minor decision that we make. I've heard stories, incredible stories. I've heard stories of husbands and wives meeting through an incredible set of circumstances where, where the guy says, I never would have normally gone to that event. I never would have made that turn. I never would have been in the coffee shop. If I followed my normal routine of things, that never would happen. But one minor decision set, about, set its course upon a track that was forever changed. And we never know when we're trying to live out our story, when we're trying to maximize our story, how one seemingly insignificant decision now can have huge ramifications later on. How many good stories have been started with a statement? Hey, guys, 
Watch this. We know right away as soon as we hear that, like something's about to go down. But in life, there's other questions that we face. I can point to people that I know really well that have never gone to church before in their life at all. And they said, hey, you know what? For no reason at all, there was, there was no one asking them and no one inviting them. They just woke up one Sunday and said, I think I'm going to go to church today. And because of that small decision, like for them, they would have thought, this is random. I'm not even sure why this is happening. That small decision put them on a, tra- a trajectory to see their life changed. A small decision to say, hey, I- I'm going to commit myself to, to, to do this, whether it's physical, whether it's, whether it's financial. I- I'm just going to commit to making a small change in my life. And, and I tweak that thing because I want to see my story be maximized. I've already said that in 10 years from now, I want my life to look a, bit, a little bit different than it does now. But if I keep doing the same things I've always done, I'm going to keep getting the results that have always been there. I have to make some change. If I want to get healthier, it doesn't happen by continuing a sedentary lifestyle. It doesn't happen by eating pizza every day. And if I want to grow spiritually, it doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen. Listen, I think you should go to church. I think you should surround yourself with with people that encourage you and inspire you. I think all of those things are important. I think it's valuable. That's why we gather together is to give that encouragement. But if I think that by going to church, it's going to make me spiritual, that would be like me walking into the gym tomorrow morning and saying, I'm at the gym, I'm getting healthy. It would be great if it worked that way. If I could just walk in and watch everybody else working out while I eat my donut over here on the other side, like that would be awesome, but it doesn't work that way. Now, I have to be there. I have to be saying that I'm going to be present. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning at 4.30, and I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to start working out, but the whole process is at some point I take ownership myself. At some point I say I want there to be gains. I want there to be growth. Now let me go start to do it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 18. We're going to look at a second story from the Old Testament this morning. It's a story of, of Moses. Moses has lots of stories in the Old Testament. Moses is this guy who was a, a stutter who didn't want to be the one who was called and used by God. And God begins to use him and, and he helps deliver the people from Egypt. And, and, and so because of that... He starts to make a name for himself. People start to know who he is because they know that he has God's ear and that he can hear from God. And so in the midst of all of that, we're going to read this story in Exodus chapter 18, beginning in verse 13. In the midst of all of this, it says this. As Moses had gone from being a nobody to being the one who led them out of captivity, it says this. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law, his name is Jethro, and Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said this, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing It's not good. 
You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and law and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. And place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they, bring, they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and you will hear, you'll bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their, to their place in peace. So what's happening is Moses has been put in this position of leadership. He's been put in this position of influence, and he bears this incredible responsibility. He says, man, God is starting to, to talk to me. He's, he's delivered the people through me. And so because of that, I know that I want to be a good steward of what God's given me. And so all of a sudden, the people recognize Moses' leadership. And they come to Moses. They said, hey, we have a bunch of disputes. Can you help figure this out for us? Now, it doesn't say what it was like when it first happened. So we don't know this for sure. But I could imagine a scenario where Moses has become the, the, the leader of the Israelites. And so two people are having a discussion. They're having a disagreement. And they say, we can't figure this out. Let's go to Moses. Moses has this, this lifeline to God. I bet he could figure this out. And so the first people go to Moses and they say, Moses, we're at an impasse. We can't figure this out. Will you help us out? And man, at first that seems like, a noble thing for Moses to do. And he says, yeah, of course, man, I'd love to help out. Maybe no one had ever come to Moses like that before, and he feels like, man, I'm starting to discover my place. I'm starting to discover what I'm supposed to do. And so they come to Moses, and Moses says, yeah, let me pray, and I'm going to apply God's statutes, and we're going to figure that out. And he does, and it works. And at first, that feels really good. But then another person comes. They hear the story. And they come say, Moses, hey, wait a minute, we got a question. And Moses, fresh off the feel-good feeling last time, says, okay, let me help you out. And he goes and he solves their problem. And then another person comes, and, and at first it feels really refreshing. I'm using my gifts to impact God's kingdom. It seems really important. But eventually it settles into, that's all I'm doing all day long. All I'm doing is putting out fires. I'm not actually working towards the vision any longer. All I'm doing is putting out people's fires. And he doesn't even notice it. But fortunately, Moses has in his life something we should all have. Moses has a, a mentor. Moses has this, this, this coach that comes along. His father-in-law comes along and says, hey, Moses, come here a second. Let me talk to you. I know what you're doing seems good. But the good thing you're doing is stopping you from doing that, which is great. You need to stop what you're doing. And for some of us this morning, we have these goals that we want to work towards. We want to, we want to maximize our story. We want to make sure, man, I want to make sure, God, I want to live for you. I want to see your kingdom come right now. I want to see incredible things happen. We want to live for you. The problem is we get distracted with things that are okay, things that help us get by. And we stop focusing on what is really important. We stop maximizing 
our story. So Jethro comes in and says, Moses, you got you to gotta slow down. You got to start to pass on some of that leadership. You, you can handle the big things still, but all you're doing all day long now is settling disputes. You're not actually working towards the vision of what God's trying to accomplish in your life. We could learn anything from that. Moses was learning one of these questions that we're about to ask. Moses had stopped doing something, had, had started to do something good, and had stopped doing something great. So as we start to look towards that bigger story that, God, I, I want to see you accomplish this when it comes to my health. I want to see that you accomplish this when it comes to my finances. For us to get to the bigger part of the story, there's four questions that we have to ask ourselves. Number one, what do I need to start? What is it in my life right now? If I want to accomplish these goals, what is it in my life right now that I have to start if I'm going to accomplish the goals that I want to see accomplished in 10 years? If I want to grow spiritually right now, if I want to see a, a sustained period of growth in my life right now, what are the things that I have to start? It's probably the, most second, the second most important question we face. The first one is the second question. What do I need to stop? See, Moses began with that question. Actually, Jethro began asking Moses that question. He said, Moses, what you're doing, it seems good, but it's not really good. What are the things right now in your life that you have to stop in order for you to be able to start the things that are going to be able to help you accomplish the dreams and the story that God has for you? What do I need to start? What do I need to stop? What needs to stay? Right now, what are the things in our life that are really, really valuable? If I'm trying to accomplish a certain set of goals, what are the things in my life right now that are valuable that I say, if I can only hold on to a couple of things, these are the things that I want to hold on to? I think my wife was watching a, a show the other day, or there's something on TV somehow, and, and we were watching this show, and it was a person who'd become a, a hoarder in their life. And the thing that they had hoarded was, and, and this was like an older lady whose, whose children had grown up and had, had left, and she started hoarding these baby dolls. She had thousands of these really scary baby dolls, like, like these, these things that like, like they make horror movies out of type baby dolls like they were scary and so they called these people to help kind of have an intervention in their life and and they they literally had a parade of these dolls it could have been a horror movie in and of, in and of itself but they had these parade of dolls and as as they're walking by she had to, they're trying to help her process and, and say one last time we're seeing all your dolls together and now tell us which one of these are you going to keep which of these are you, are you going to sell? And which of these are you going to throw away? And I'm watching her go through this. And, and, and as they're walking by, she's like, keep, keep, <laughs> keep. No, that one, keep. okay, that one you can sell. That one you can sell. Keep, keep. And, and it was all keep with very few sells. And she wasn't willing to throw any of them away. In our life, sometimes we're holding on to things that we're not supposed to hold on to. And it's causing us to lose relationships. Some of us right now, we have some unhealthy relationships in our life that are threatening the healthy relationships that we have. And we're so afraid to let go of the unhealthy relationship because I care about that person. But our other healthy relationships are struggling. 
For some right now, we're making financial decisions that I don't want to let go of this. This is really important, but it's not helping us get to the goals that we want to achieve. We have to figure out what needs to stay in our life and what needs to go. Man, those are difficult decisions. Because Moses was going to get pushback. At some point as we read this, the people are coming, and it probably started off as, as, man, Moses, that was so good. Thank you for helping us out. But at some point it was expected. Moses is there. This is what he's doing now. And when he finally put his foot down, it was going to be hard at first to say, all right, we're not doing this anymore. I'm going to stop. We're going to start to spread out leadership, and we're going to start to hand down leadership a little bit. And, and at, far, at first, there's probably some people like, no, Moses, what I have is really important. And he had to say, no, it's, it's, it's not. Like, it might seem important right now. I understand that, but, but it's not. It's only when we start to make those tough choices in our life that we can begin to maximize our story. The reason why some people live the maximized story, the reason why some people's lives are on fire for Jesus is because they say, I'm going to make the tough choices. Even when I don't want to, I'm going to make that tough choice. Because I know in the end that God is going to reward that. Daniel, when he prayed, it wasn't an easy choice. It was getting down when everybody else was saying, you can't do this. It was getting down knowing that my life could be threatened because of this. But I am willing to risk my life if it means my story is going to be maximized. Let's pray together. God, I don't know a person... That's in this room this morning. I don't know a person that's watching on Facebook Live right now that would say that they don't want their stories to be maximized. God, we want to do big things. We want to do incredible things. God, we want our lives to be lives of adventure. We want our lives to be lives of health. We want to have healthy relationships. We want to have healthy finances. We want to have careers and retirements that we enjoy. And God, we want to have, most of all, a deep and abiding and healthy relationship with you. And God, I believe that you're sovereign and you're in control of all of this. And yet, God, I also believe that, that we bear responsibility to see our stories be made much of. Because in the end of the day, like we've been talking about throughout this series, our story isn't our story at all. It's your story of redemption of working in our life. God, that's what we want to see maximized to be be able to reach as many people as we possibly can. God, I've loved. As a church, I've loved the last couple of months. I've shared with friends how liberating the last couple of months have been. God, as, as you brought some health within these walls, as you've seen lives restored within these walls, as you've seen joy and, and freedom experienced. But God, there's also a season we have to go beyond these walls. And God, I pray that as we've had this, this season with which our, our story is being solidified, God, that in the coming weeks as we start to talk about what it means to have the freedom to be able to share our story and to tell our story, God, you've done miraculous things and stories we're going to hear over the course of the next couple of weeks 
God, you've done the mighty things within their lives. And you give us the freedom now to be able to share not just their stories, but to share our stories. Because every person here, our story is significant and our story has power. And God, now it's time for us to maximize that story. For us to reach out beyond the walls of the church. To share our story and let other people know about the power of their stories. Because they matter to you. And God, over the course of the next couple weeks, we'll begin asking a question. Who's, who's your one? Who's that person right now that because of your story, because of my story, because of our story, God, that we're able to have influence in their life? God, utilize the power of our story to be able to impact other people's lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.